Hello and welcome to Theology Matters. This is Dr. John Clark. And today we want to continue our study on eternal security by continuing to look at the value of our position in Christ. And, you know, this is uh, what is true of us in Christ is, is simply the fact that we are in the safest, highest, and most privileged position in the history of the world. And the scriptures bear that out because this is the position by which God has blessed us, uh, as we learn in Ephesians 1-3, that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And um, we see that those blessings are secured uh, by God by placing us in Jesus Christ. One of those blessings is the blessing of eternal security, meaning that once we're saved, we remain saved, that we can't lose our salvation. We've been using a definition from our friends at Duluth Bible Church for eternal security. And so let me read that one more time. Eternal security means that one who has been genuinely saved by God's grace through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone shall never be in danger of God's condemnation or loss of his salvation, but are kept forever saved and secure by God's grace and power. And we've made the contrast between eternal security and assurance. Eternal security being the certainty of a person's salvation from God's viewpoint. How does God see the matter? And what all God is looking for based on the word of based on his word is whether or not somebody has put their faith in God's solution for their sin problem. Again, God's solution is what we know as the gospel. Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again. Do you trust that what Jesus Christ did for you was enough to satisfy the wrath of God? Do you trust in Jesus's death for you as your substitute paying your penalty so that you will never have to face that penalty again? The Bible says the moment you do that, you have eternal life and you are eternally secure. And that's God's viewpoint of it. Obviously, man's viewpoint uh, is reflected by the term assurance of salvation, which again, describes the certainty of a person's salvation from man's viewpoint. And oftentimes, uh, man's viewpoint just doesn't align with the Word of God. We fluctuate in and out. We forget uh, or we don't rely upon or we don't take at face value what God's Word says. You know, when he uses terminology, it's pretty clear. Eternal means eternal. Forgiveness of sins means they're, they're taken away. Uh, when Jesus said, it is finished, it means he paid it all. Uh, nothing left for you or I to pay. When he says it, if you believe in my son, you shall never perish. He means that you'll never face that death penalty or that penalty in hell because never means never. <laughs> uh, and when he says you have eternal life, eternal means eternal. And so we've talked about that a number of times, but but oftentimes we, uh, as people, we don't take God at face value. We begin to kind of work our own thinking into the equation and thus Oftentimes our assurance can fluctuate, but our eternal security can never fluctuate based on the word of God. And one of the things that we looked at is when you were born again as a believer, you were born rich. You were not born poor, trying to climb the ladder to get to riches. You were given everything the moment you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. And 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 God has guaranteed and secured those blessings so that you and I have those continually and forever into the future. And one of the reasons that we looked at is that God promised, you know, God just gave his word. And we looked at some of those promises that the believer will never perish. He'll, 
Uh, believers never separated from God's love. The believer presently possesses eternal life, which is life that lasts forever, that can't be taken away in five years or 20 years because it wouldn't be eternal life. And we also see the believers are kept by the power of God. We also saw that God's promises in his word is on the basis of his grace. Grace meaning you get something you don't deserve. And so if you get blessings you don't deserve, you can't earn, you can't merit, well, then there's nothing you can do to demerit or have those taken back. If it's on the basis of grace, it remains on the basis of grace. Otherwise, it was never, they were never given on the basis of grace if you have to uh, earn them or merit them even later. And then the one we've been really focusing on is because of our amazing position in Jesus Christ. And, you know, one of the things that we saw is that God was the one who placed us in Christ and that there's some amazing results of being placed in Christ. We looked at two of those in the last session. That first amazing thing is that you have a new identity that goes on forever. You will never have another identity than the one that you possess in Jesus Christ as a child of God, as an heir of God, as a fully fledged uh, son uh, with an inheritance uh, of God. And that was one of the amazing results of God placing you in Christ, right? Second Corinthians 5, 17. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. He's got a new identity and God accomplishes that through unifying us with Jesus Christ. The second amazing thing we looked at last week was the fact that we can never die spiritually or eternally. We can die physically as believers, but we can never stay dead. We'll never face the second death because Jesus Christ is, is alive. We are united with him and thus we will be alive or made alive with immortal resurrection bodies. We considered that last week. And one of a, a, a great illustration that was shared with me years ago was if, if you were uh, a sheet of paper, uh, and we put you in a, in a Nike shoe box. Um, where would, where would you be? If I put that Nike shoe box up on top of my table, where would you be? Well, you'd be on top of the table cause you're in the Nike shoe box. If I took the Nike shoe box with me uh, across the ocean to Europe and I, and I was sitting in a, in an airport in Brussels, and I had the Nike shoebox sitting right next to me, where would you be? Well, you're the sheet of paper. You, you'd be in Brussels in an airport. You'd be wherever the Nike shoebox is, that's where you're at. If I, if I dug a hole in my backyard that was six feet deep and I threw the Nike shoebox down there and I covered it with dirt, where would you be? Well, you, you'd be where the Nike shoebox was. You'd be six feet under um, because everywhere the Nike shoebox is, that's where you are. And you know what? That's exactly... A, a, an apropos illustration for believers in Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ dies no more, then you know what? The believer also dies no more. Romans 6, 8 through 9 tells us that Jesus dies no more. And that means you have to, that you don't have to die anymore. In fact, you won't die anymore because you have been placed in Christ. And so it's because of our position in Christ that that the promise of John 3:16 regarding the believer never perishing is trustworthy and dependable. I mean, we only need to believe and take God at face value. I mean, he said it, so it's true. But you know, the reason he secures it, he's placed you in Christ and because Christ dies no more, you will die no more as well as a believer. That means you you are eternally secure. I want to look at one more 
amazing result of being in Christ. And this is this is very huge um, in terms of understanding one's eternal security. One of the amazing results of you and I being placed in Christ as believers is we have been severed from our connection with the sin nature. Now, this may not sound like a big deal. It is. Obviously, it's a huge deal. It, it's, it's how we can live out the life of Jesus Christ in our life because God has created a way to be delivered even from sin's power. But in terms of future condemnation, this is so huge. And Paul uses two illustrative examples to teach this truth. The very first one is found in Romans chapter 6. Uh, Romans chapter 6, and let's look at verse 2. In the example that he uses, the illustration is he says that we're dead to sin. And so what Paul describes in, in Romans 6 is he describes the severance of the believer from the sin nature, uh, and he describes it as the believer having died to sin. The word death by definition means separation. Let's read Romans 6, 2. It says, well, let's read 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And so when Paul says the believer has died to sin through our union with Jesus Christ, it means that our relationship to sin has been severed. And that the believer is no longer automatically connected to sin as his or her only source of living. Very important. You know, believers no longer have to sin. They, they are no longer dominated by sin. Now, a believer, as we, we would learn in Romans 6, they can go on presenting themselves to sin and thus be dominated and enslaved by sin, but they don't have to. They've been freed from that automatic domination because of our death with Christ to sin. And notice uh, in, in, verse, um, uh, in verse 11, that's the exhortation for the believer is, is based on this truth. Um, in, in fact, go back up to verse 5. If we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be basically united together in the likeness of his resurrection. And then go down to verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves. That's an accounting term. Write it down. Count on it by faith. Remember it. Write it down in your thinking. Reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. Where? In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so in Christ, you have been so united with Jesus Christ in his death and his resurrection that this has severed you or freed you from connection with the sin nature. A second example that Paul uses is spiritual circumcision. And that's found in Colossians chapter 2. And this is communicating the same concept that we just looked at in Romans chapter 6. And so in Colossians 2, 11 through 12, it says, In him... You were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And notice those with phrases again. So Paul describes 
what he describes here in Colossians 2, verses 11 through 12, when he says the believer was circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And what he's describing there is that the believer was circumcised with Christ, spiritually circumcised. Again, it's a circumcision not made with hands, not talking about physical circumcision, but spiritual circumcision. And he's describing how the sin nature and its connection to the believer as a source of life has been cut away or severed, again, as an automatic dominating influence. So why is this so amazing or important? Why why is this such an amazing result of being in Christ, especially as it relates to eternal security? Why is that amazing? Well, go with me to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 is going to tell us why. It reads this, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now notice this, verse 3, For what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God did. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Now, it's subtle, but it's very important because as a result of this separation from our sin nature, the fact that that God crucified us with Christ, he, he changed our automatic connection to sin. He severed our connection to the sin nature. God is now free to declare that the believer in Jesus Christ will not be condemned, but that the indwelling source of sin, which is now severed from the believer, was condemned in Christ's death to sin. This is why the believer will never be condemned, because the very source of sin in the believer's life was condemned in Christ's death to sin. And what this tells us is simply this, that the very source of every sin that we have ever committed, the sin nature, is under the strict condemnation of God. And that final condemnation will take place in time at the glorification of believers. So the sin nature is on death row, if you will, awaiting its annihilation. So I want to put that into your mind summarily. Not only did Jesus Christ pay the penalty for every act of sin, that emanated from the sin nature, but the sin nature itself has also been judged and faces future annihilation at the believer's glorification. So that begs the question, if the source of sin has been condemned and the penalty for every act of sin that the source of sin produced has been paid for, what could be left for the believer to be judged about? And the answer is simply nothing. And so we see the amazing results of the believer being placed in Christ. 